Good morning, Westside. It's great to be with you again, um, uh, especially those uh, watching online for the first time. I just want to welcome you and encourage you, if this is your first time or if you've been with us for just a little while but you haven't hit that connect link, I would encourage you to, to hit that, to connect with us. I would love to be able to to uh, talk with you uh, through email, uh, find out more about you, as well as send you a gift. So uh, please just hit that connect link. That would be awesome. We're in week eight of an amazing series called One Big Story. Last week, my son was with us, and he kind of finished up the story of Joseph and 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 the book of Genesis for us. Um, and this week, uh, we're going to continue on in that story as we go into the book of Exodus. But one of the things that we've discovered is that God has been choosing a rather unlikely cast of characters uh, to star in his story. There was Noah who was chosen to build a boat in the desert where it had never rained. Then there was Abraham and Sarah, an old couple with no kids who was chosen to populate a nation. And last week we finished looking at Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Then later he was thrown into prison, uh, but God somehow elevated him uh, to second in command over Egypt, which, which put him in a position to help save the lives of not only millions of people, but to save the lives of his family as well. And what we keep seeing is that God just continues to work upstream weaving their stories into his story. He did it in their lives back then, and I believe he's still doing it in our lives today. He's taking our stories, and he's weaving those into his. Now, today's unlikely character that I want us to look at and begin to look at over the next several weeks is a guy by the name of Moses. If you know anything about Moses' story, you know that he was fortunate he was fortunate to even be alive long enough to have a story. So let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all you do. Uh, God, you are such an amazing God and we are thankful for the way you are working in our lives today. But fathers, we begin to unpack the book of Exodus. Uh, especially this first part. Just open our hearts and minds and help us, Lord. Help us just to see what you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, as, um, as I listen to people and read their posts on Facebook and begin to evaluate my own life, what I realized so far in 2020 is that the load for people is becoming very heavy. I mean, after all, the world has been quarantined by sickness. A nation whose pledge boldly states that we believe in liberty and justice for all has become a nation where we see vigilantes, some wearing uniforms, others in stolen clothes, killing and maiming and, and destroying because of a deep-rooted hate that is yet to be healed. We've seen a booming economy brought to its knees as doors are being closed, dreams are being broken, and for some, hope is being lost. The unborn and those born long ago are left unprotected or left alone to suffer. 
and to die again. The load is becoming very heavy. But in moments like this, there's a word that has kept surfacing in my mind and has pushed its way into my spirit. It's a word that goes literally back to the beginning of man. It's the word deliverance. Deliverance. Now, that word has several meanings, but let me give you two that we'll see throughout the book of Exodus. The first meaning is to deliver out of the hands of, or to escape, to snatch, take away, to snatch out of danger, and to preserve. The second meaning adds this idea, not only to rescue, but also the drawing the drawing of someone to oneself. To draw someone to oneself. Now, understanding this shows us that God's motive for deliverance comes from his desire to be close to the people he loves. It shows his deep desire to have fellowship and to be with the people that he loves. In fact, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, It kind of captures this thought. Listen to what it says. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you, or you could put that word delivered you on eagle's wings. And look at this. Brought you to myself. Brought you to myself. Now, the reason that this word deliverance pops into my heart and in my mind is because if we were honest, We would have to say that a lot of us are feeling the chains of bondage in some area of our life. I mean, most of us spend a good deal of time focusing on and then trying all kinds of temporary fixes that we think will deliver us from those habits, the habits of sickness or relationships, and and the list can literally go on and on that we feel the need to be set free from. Those things that we need those chains broken from. But here's what I want us to understand. Temporary fixes will never break the chains and set you free. I mean, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, temporary fixes, they will never break the chains and set you free. And so if that is true, then we need someone to declare with authority and with power, let my people go. Set them free. We need someone who has the ability to lead us to taste the sweet flavor of freedom. And let me tell you, that someone for us today is Jesus. Is Jesus. He's the only one who can break the chains. He's the only one who can set us free. It's Jesus. But if the word goes back to the beginning, this word deliverance, then who did this nation that God was building have? I mean, who did they have? Yes, they ultimately had God, but who was he using to help deliver them? I mean, after all, God liked using ordinary people to accomplish his purpose, right? I mean, we've seen that. 
over the last several weeks as we've gone through Genesis. In fact, if you remember in Genesis 15, God told Abraham to look at the stars in the sky because his descendants would be greater than those stars. But in the same chapter, he also said that as the nation grew, they would live in a foreign land for 400 years. And they would be oppressed and they would live in bondage. But he also said, and here's our word that we've been looking at. He said he would deliver them with his strong arm, with his strong hands. And that's the setup for the book of Exodus. And when Genesis closes, there's roughly 350 years between Genesis and the beginning of the book of Exodus. So as we come into the book of Exodus, we are immediately confronted with with two problems. And in Exodus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, look what it says. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and they filled the land. Eventually, a new king king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. In these two verses, we see the two problems, and they were this, increased population and decreased popularity. In other words, the children of Israel had grown from 70 in Genesis to over 2 million as as you come into Exodus chapter 1. And they spread over Egypt so much that they became a threat to the new Pharaoh. And this new Pharaoh, he didn't know his Bible history. He didn't know about Joseph. He didn't know what all had been accomplished. In fact, look at what verses 13 and 14 say. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in their fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Now, I thought this was interesting, but as I was studying, I I came across this. Archaeologists discovered several monuments in Egypt with pictures, hieroglyphics, showing a group of people being oppressed by two taskmasters. And these taskmasters were holding whips over the people. And this group of people were making bricks. And the writings on the monuments simply read this, work without fainting. Work without fainting. You see, the truth is, they desperately needed a deliverer, didn't they? They needed a deliverer. And God was already working upstream to bring them the one who would ultimately deliver them. But as the story begins to unfold, it looked like Pharaoh was taking care of that as well. Now, here's what hit me on Friday morning. And I just thought I'd throw this out. This is just free of charge. But there's an interesting parallel between the story of of the deliverer Moses and our ultimate deliverer Jesus. Both begin with an amazing birth and an escape from death. 
If you remember the account of Jesus' birth, after the Magi visit him, which Jesus by that time probably was anywhere from eight months to a year old, maybe a year and a half old. After the Magi visit him, an angel appears to Joseph and tells him to take Jesus and Mary and escape to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill him. In fact, Herod had issued a decree to have all the baby boys two years and younger killed in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. And as Exodus chapter 1 ends, we find Pharaoh doing the exact same thing. He gives the order for every newborn Hebrew boy to be thrown in the Nile River to drown. But the cool thing is this. Just like with Jesus, you can't stop God's plan of deliverance. You can't stop it once God initiates it. And so as we come into chapter 2, chapter 2 covers 80 years of Moses' life. The first 40 years are from his birth to the time when he flees to Midian. And then the last 40-year period is when he becomes a shepherd for his father-in-law, Ruel. So as chapter 2 opens, we see the birth of Moses. And his family wasn't going to allow him to be killed. And so here's what unfolds in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1 through verse 4. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, or no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. And as his sister watched, all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter comes down the river to bathe. And she sees this basket floating along the river's edge in the reeds. And she opens it up and she finds this Hebrew baby. Now, according to her father's decree, what she was supposed to do was simply this. She was supposed to take that baby, throw it in the Nile to be killed, to drown. But she couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. He was too beautiful, and he stole her heart. Again, the baby sister's been watching this unfold, and so she goes over to, to Pharaoh's daughter, and she just asks if she would like to have a Hebrew slave nurse the baby for her. And she says, oh, that would be great. And so the sister goes gets the mom, and the mom comes and begins to nurse and care for her the baby. Pharaoh's daughter finally names the baby Moses because his name means to draw out of the water. Again, God's been working upstream. 
to write an amazing story. Now, as we close today, because I, w- I just want us to stop here for today, and we're going to go on next week, but I just want to stop here t- for today. And as we close, I want us to understand that the deliverance of Moses is significant in a couple ways. First of all, God rewarded the faith of Moses' parents more than they ever thought possible. God rewarded the faith of Moses' parents more than they ever thought was was even possible. I mean, they protected him for as long as they could after he was born for roughly about three months. But then they had to simply turn him over to God. They had to trust God enough to allow God to take care of him and to protect him. And putting him in that basket in a river filled with crocodiles, not knowing who might find him or what might happen, could have been a death sentence. But they believed that God would protect and God would deliver him. And the amazing thing was, not only did God deliver him, not only did God protect him, but now he's being protected by the very ones who wanted to kill him. I mean, how awesome is that? Because Moses now is taken into the household of Pharaoh where he is raised as the child of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, how amazing is that? And so God rewarded their faith. But the second thing is this. Moses' deliverance also brought about the deliverance of others, not just in the future, but even in the present. You see, not only did God deliver Moses, but through his deliverance, it appears that Pharaoh's decree that every baby boy born to an Israelite was to be cast into the Nile, it seems that that was set to the side after his daughter defiled his order. She should have drowned the baby, but she couldn't. It was love at first sight. And her love and compassion trumped her father's decree. And because this Hebrew baby was now brought into their household, it seems that Pharaoh just disbanded the decree. And so Moses' deliverance, it saved the life of all those other Hebrew babies. Now, how do these two truths of deliverance, how do they apply to us today? I mean, how, how can we view them in our lives today and, and, and help apply them so that it makes a difference for us? Well, first of all, I believe it shows that God will also reward our faith when we trust him enough to willingly surrender our all to him. You get that? I believe God will reward our faith when we trust him enough to give him everything. When we trust him enough to surrender all of our life to him. You see, the problem is this. It's not that we don't have faith. Because a lot of us have faith. The issue is the depth of our faith. The issue is how much do you trust God? with what you have. You see, it's easy to have faith in certain things and and to have faith in certain ways and when things are good. But do you trust God enough 
to allow him to work even in the tough times, even in the sickness, even in, in, in the desperate times that we go through in life? Do you trust him enough? Do you trust him enough to surrender your best to him and to say, God, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want you to do. Do you trust him enough to do that? Because when we do, I believe he rewards that kind of faith and that kind of trust, just like he did with Moses' parents. But second of all, you may not have been delivered from a river as a baby. Probably none of us have, right? But every one of us knows what it's like to be set free. Every one of us knows what it's like to be delivered out of something that has held us captive. I mean, that could be a toxic relationship. That could be alcoholism or drug abuse. That could be pornography. Or it could be attitudes such as anger and bitterness and strife. And, you know, and the list can literally go on and on. And what we have to realize is this. Your deliverance was not just for you. Your deliverance was not just for you. Just like with Moses, his deliverance affected others. And your deliverance affects others as well. It wasn't just for you. You weren't the only one affected. In fact, God wants you to use your deliverance to help deliver others who are held captive as well. That's what God wants. I believe that's what he expects out of us. As he sets us free from these things that keep us in bondage and keep us chained, I think he wants us, once we are set free, to begin to allow that to affect others' lives. But here's the problem I see. I think at times we get so wrapped up in the, the, in the deliverance that we've received that we fail to see the impact that could be made or is being made on others. I think we get so wrapped up in the fact that we've finally been set free, that we've been delivered, that all of our focus goes inward on that and we lose sight of how that might be impacting others around us. And let me tell you, this isn't limited to our physical and emotional day-to-day -day life because it also affects our spiritual life. You see, unfortunately, we conveniently forget that God is still in the delivering business. His plan is to deliver and bring salvation to all people. And he wants to use ordinary men and women like you and me to accomplish that purpose. I believe God wants our lives to be open books so that others can see and begin to read the amazing story of our lives so that they can see and read the amazing story, and story of our deliverance from the penalty of sin and death. The story of what God has done in us and through us. Never forget, your deliverance from sin was not just for you. It was not just for you. You were saved. You were delivered so that you could help lead others to the only one who can deliver them. And his name is Jesus. And let me tell you, 
His love for people will never let them go. He'll never let them go. He hears the cry of those who are oppressed. The question is, do you? Do you hear those cries? He sees the struggles of the hurting and the needy. The question is, do you? Do you see the struggles? Do you see the things that the people are going through around you, those who are hurting, those who are in need? Do you see those things? He sees the chains on those who are still held captive by sin, and he wants to free them. And so I want to leave you today with these two questions that we all have to answer, and it's this. Do you want them to be free? Do you want them to be free? You see, Jesus sees the chains of those who are still held captive, and he wants to free them. But do you want them to be free? Do you want them to be free? And you may say, that's kind of a weird question, but no, no, it's not. Because over the last 40 years of ministry, I've seen, I've seen, person after person who claims to be a Christian, who, who says they want to help lead others to Christ. But then the first time someone really falls into sin, all of a sudden it's like, we just want to leave them alone. We just want to get them out of our life. We don't want to have anything to do with them. We just want them to get what they deserve. And Jesus sees them as someone who needs to be set free. We see them as someone who, who we think, just needs to get what they deserve. Do you want them to be set free? Seriously, do you? And the second question is this, are you willing to be his agent in leading them to freedom? Because if you honestly want them to be free, then you will do what you have to do and what it takes in order to help lead them in that direction, to point them to Jesus to lead them to Jesus, to bring them to uh, a place where they can hear and understand and know who he is and what he can do, how he can deliver them from the sin that's in their life. Do you want to be his agent to do that? Story of of Moses and, and, and the book of Exodus is a story of deliverance. And you and I have been delivered by the ultimate deliverer, Jesus. If you haven't felt that deliverance, if you haven't experienced that in your life, I just want you to hit that connect button because I'd love to talk with you. Go to our website, go to our Next Step page, and you can hear not only the story of God's love, but you can hear how you can accept him and then what baptism is and the part that it plays and the fact that we need to do that in our life. But connect with us because I want you to be set free. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you for all you do. We thank you for your love and your grace. God, you are such an awesome God. I can't thank you enough for all that you do. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray, amen.